I am Pastor Corrine Boroff, Senior Pastor at Anderson First United Methodist Church. Thank you for listening to our worship service today. If you want to learn more about this church, visit our website at andersonfirst.org. Have a blessed day and enjoy the message. Our lesson this morning is from the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 11 through 20. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than that upon themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. That so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Before I begin my message, I just want to share a clarification in the scripture this morning. It ends with the word Melchizedek. Melchizedek, it's saying that Jesus was a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And what that means, just because that's an odd name that we don't necessarily know about, Melchizedek was a king and a priest in the Old Testament. He was given that position by God, and uh, he normally, priests in the Jewish tradition, are uh, of the lineage of the Levitical tribe. They're of the tribe of Levi. Melchizedek was not. Jesus became our high priest. At the ordination of God, he was not part of the tribe of Levi. And so there is the connection. Wanted to clarify that for you folks. There is a movie called Saving Mr. Banks. And the movie was is about um, the production of Mary Poppins. <clears throat> a movie about a movie. <laughs> However, in the movie... Um, Pamela Travers is the author of Mary Poppins, and she's very reluctant to allow it to become a movie. And so there's a scene in that movie where uh, Walt Disney is speaking to Pamela Travers, and he says, George Banks will be honored, maybe not in life, but in imagination. You see, that's what we storytellers do. We use the imagination to eliminate chaos, to bring about order. Trust me. Trust me, Mrs. Travers. You have my word. You see, we bring hope again and again and again. Well, you see, God is saying, trust me, you have my word. And in our scripture today, what we hear about God's word is that it's unchangeable, he does not lie, and he is um, faithful, trustworthy. So we have this particular word from God. Now, the Bible itself is not a light read. In fact, it has a cast of thousands. And within the stories that weave in and out of it, there are brutal murders, there are sexual affairs, there is extortion, there's manipulation. It becomes very apparent that evil has touched our lives, has stained our lives. In the New Testament, in Ephesians 2:12, Paul describes our life. He says, living without hope and without God in the world. That's where we're seen. But you see, intermixed, weaved throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, God brings us a story about the prophets telling us that a Messiah would come. 
a promised Messiah, both in Old and New Testament. So he has the promise of a Savior to come. The um, scriptures tell us about this promised Savior. You see, Jesus comes into the world to bring hope, to bring life. This hope that we have through Jesus Christ is the only world religion that offers hope, a living hope. You see, for example, in Islam, there is not hope because they cannot be assured of their future or even their relationship with God. In Buddhism, the desire is snuffed out. And we no longer are. In fact, we do not. We cease to be in Buddhism. And so you see, in Christianity, we have this living hope through Jesus Christ. The um, question about what is hope then? If we have it in our religion, if we have it in our lives, what is it? Is it wishful thinking? Is it naive optimism? I mean, we could say, I hope that it doesn't snow. I hope that the Colts win today. I hope the preacher doesn't preach too long. We can have hope. A dictionary definition of hope is a desire with the expectation of fulfillment. In other words, we, when we hope for something, we count on it happening. There's first the desire and then the expectation that that will be confirmed. That something really will happen. That's the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. You see, hope is more than just a word. Hope is to our spirits as oxygen is to our bodies. Without hope in our spiritual life, in our life period, we die. Viktor Frankl experienced this when his several years of being in concentration camps under the Nazi regime. And there he saw it year after year that there were prisoners that died right after Christmas. And he began to pay attention to this. And what he discovered was that they had put their hope in the fact that they would be free by Christmas. And when that didn't happen, they gave up. They lost hope. And they died. Well, a little bit of a different twist to this comes in a book written by someone that you may know as just a former basketball coach, and that is Bobby Knight. You may remember him as the basketball coach of Indiana University 
Uh, he took them to several uh, NCA tournaments, but he also became an author. The title of his book that he published in 2013 is The Power of the Negative. Does that surprise anybody? <laughs> the Power of the Negative. But he puts a little bit of a different understanding on hope. He said, hope is foolishness. We fool ourselves to think that everything is going to be okay said, if we're going to have hope, somebody has to do something. Somebody has to do something to change the trajectory of where we're headed. Somebody has to do something to change the future. Somebody has to do something. And so we have this understanding that hope is a who. Somebody who is strong enough, somebody who is wise enough, somebody who is good enough to change the future for good, to embody hope. And God gave us that hope in Jesus Christ. He is the somebody that can change the trajectory of our lives. He is somebody that can change the future for good. We have a symbol, as you can see, Hopefully you recognize that as an anchor. That's one of the crispons that we have on the tree. The anchor is an ancient symbol of hope. We know this because early, early Christians worshipped in the catacombs. Now if you're unfamiliar with what the catacombs were, they were man-made tunnels or passageways underground that were used as burial places. The early Christians, to avoid persecution, to avoid discovery, would actually go into the catacombs to worship. Because the Jewish and the Roman people didn't want anything to do with the dead underground. And so they would go into the catacombs and there they would carve their signatures on the stone. And we find in many, many, many of the catacombs the anchor. They were living in a really turbulent time, a time of persecution, a time where their life was being threatened for believing in Jesus Christ and worshiping in Christ and gathering with other Christians. And yet, they use the symbol of the anchor. You see, they understood that Jesus Christ was their hope. That only through Jesus Christ could their life be changed, could the trajectory of their future be changed. And so, they hoped in Jesus Christ. 
And the function of an anchor really, literally, is that it is dropped from a ship into the water where if it's to stop the ship, it will embed itself into the seabed or the bed of the water. And there it will hold the ship steady. It will keep the ship safe. The same use was done by the anchors in Jesus' time. To keep the ship steady, to keep the ship safe. And that's why it was used by the early Christians. That was their hope. They were anchoring themselves in Jesus Christ. At Niagara Falls... The falls drop about 180 feet. It's a rush of water, and it takes quite a while to go upstream to where it's not quite as violent. There's not many rapids there at all, and actually ships will navigate, boats will navigate the upper part of the Niagara. Just before the place on the Niagara River where the Welland River enters and joins that river. There is a pedestrian walkway that's been built over the river. And on that pedestrian walkway, upriver, there is a sign that hangs. And the sign is for those who are boating and traveling back and forth on the river. And the questions are two. Do you have an anchor Do you know how to use it? (laughs) Good questions for us. Do we have Jesus Christ, the anchor, in our lives? Do we know how to access Jesus Christ, to go to him, to seek his help, to secure his hope. You see, hope is living in the assurance that we are anchored in Jesus Christ. Jesus, the baby born at Christmas. Christ, the resurrected Savior. Amen.